Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant, educator, caregiver support group leader, and frequent speaker at caregiver conferences and webinars. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. Welcome to Dementia Spotlight, tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. Interesting and informative guests will join us on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. And on the opposite Wednesdays, we'll provide straight talk about what people need to know before, during, and after caregiving begins, including controversial issues that others may tend to avoid. You know, on our previous podcast, Roger That, we had a guest who is living with dementia diagnosis. This will be our second guest living with a diagnosis, sharing their story. It's pretty uncommon to be able to do that. Um, Absolutely. And the reason that I reached out to Christopher is he and I are friends on Twitter. And I saw a comment that he made about, you know, there's a lot of talk from caregivers sharing their stories, but very few, if any, from someone actually living with the disease. And I definitely wanted to reach out and and get information from somebody who knows what it is. And that brings us to today's guest. He's a 57-year-old who has been experiencing neurocognitive issues for over 10 years. In June 2022, he underwent a neuropsych test and was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, MCI, Asperger's, ADHD, depression, and anxiety. He's been on a journey to get a proper diagnosis. Dementia Spotlight is pleased to welcome Christopher Nichols. Christopher, thank you so much for being with us and be willing to share your story with us and with our listeners. Sure thing, Bobby and Mike. Happy to be here. As I mentioned in the beginning, I reached out to you because of a comment that you had made about we need to hear from people who are living with these diseases. And we definitely would like to hear from you what we can do to better understand what you are living with. Well, um, I guess my main focus right now, the, the diagnosis of these dementias, of, of these symptoms and what goes on with neurodegenerative is uh, so frustrating. And my journey, um, I've tried to do what I thought were the right things, and yet I experienced uh, – all the problems that the uh, we're, we've talked about in our health system. I started, um, you said, 10 years ago, and this 10, actually, some of my uh, experiences were 22 years ago. Um, I experienced uh, for about five years vivid dreams. Um, at the time, I was married and punched my wife so hard in her arm, almost broke her arm, knocked her off the bed in the middle of the night, woke up cussing. And the dreams were not of my nature. So that happened. It was sort of went away and we sort of chalked up. And I've always been a dreamer. Um, But let me even back up just a little bit. My my background is that um, uh, I'm a degree computer engineer from UCF. Um, I, uh, that's the University of Central Florida. Uh, I started my own ISP in IT firm in um, 1995 and actively did that for 17 years. And I was a CIO for a financial services firm and the CIO 
and the CISO for the Florida Department of Citrus. As I said, I had the dreams that went on 22. I've had bad sleep the majority of my life. Um, I would sleep, take cat naps, and at night, I wouldn't sleep much. And I started having significant, I would say 15 years ago, noticeable. Uh, now, now I've really thought some motor issues, how I used the mouse started. I wasn't able to close windows just right. Well, maybe the mouse button was broken. No, it wasn't the mouse button. I started having memory problems. And I had some other motor issues now that I think are coming to light. And so um, about three years ago, I went to a neurologist and they gave me the mini mental state and said, you're, you're good. You're fine. <laughs> it's okay. And they didn't take an effect that I told them that my mom and dad are alive and they both had Alzheimer's or both had dementia. And my mom's is clearly along the line of Lewy body and frontal temporal. Mm -hmm. My grandfather had all the symptoms of Lewy body, frontal temporal. He had the aphasia significantly. And well, of course, it was always diagnosed. That was 30, 40 years ago. You know, that, that's just, just Alzheimer's. No, it was something more. So I told the neurologist that, but no MRIs, no, just go. And um, that neurologist, by the way, is no longer at that clinic. I've been told by because he was not up to standards. It wasn't very in-depth, that's for sure. No, it was very short. Got my eight minutes, as the insurance companies give you, right? <laughs> and uh, maybe for a specialist, 15. But needless to say, um, during that time, I was dealing with my primary care and I heard a lot of, what do you want me to do about it? What? So uh, in May of 2022, certain conditions, certain areas, I knew something was wrong. And um, when I started trying to find out how to work with you, at that point, the idea of doing anything with insurance and whatnot. So I ended up, I went ahead and just paid. $1,800 to get my own neuropsych exam. And it did come back. I have MCI. And then the one thing is I was diagnosed with autism level one, which was, it was interesting because it explains a lot in my life. So it put some answers and then uh, it's helped me a little bit in this journey. And uh, when I asked more about the MCI, which I already at that point had read a lot, about Louis body and frontal temporal, to be honest. She said, she's got to get to a neurologist. Go. Go to a neurologist. Okay. And in our country, typical wait time for neurology, at least in that Florida area, two and a half to four and a half months. So again, I started in in summer of two twenty twenty two, I was experiencing all kinds of symptoms. Um, I come out of the grocery store a lot. Where's my car? Where? I was never like that. I knew where my car. And I started trying and, and finally was trying to figure out and I got a, an appointment with a neurologist uh, a little bit sooner than uh, what I thought I'd get in. And that neurologist at that time 
sort of blew me off because I went in as me. I have no support person. And at that time, I was having some aphasia and whatnot. And I can talk for about 30 or 40 minutes, and I will forget my wording sometimes if I get off track very easily. And I was never quite like that as bad. And uh, the doctor didn't take me seriously and said, well, here, take some denazepil, and you got to get your depression fixed. And after that visit, I ended up going to the hospital for a possible stroke in October of 2022. I had all kinds of tests and nothing came back conclusive other than they did see when they did a EG, a focal seizure somehow or another, but they couldn't explain it. I went back to that neurologist in the fall and he basically looked at me and said, you're out of our wheelhouse and there's nobody here that can help you. How frustrating that must have been. I mean, you're reaching out, trying to get understanding and trying to get help. And the medical professionals are not understanding what you're trying to tell them. So I had an appointment at this institution and I will tell you, I started to go through what the standard protocol, which I'll try to cover in just a minute for people's expectations, at least my experience, which has now happened multiple times. And that's why you're here. We want to hear this. Thanks. Um, so I went again as just me walking in and explained to them all the symptoms. And uh, they started to, to put me through the battery, which is see the neurologist, see it, get a neuropsych exam from that institution because they can't, they have to have, everybody has to have their doctors. And then they want you to see a psychiatrist. And then they might do imaging, but it, I had some imaging that was done before I went in because of when I was at the hospital. So they were going to use that. But I don't think yet that they've really looked at all the right data, MRIs and whatnot. So after going in in October 30th for a week, uh, no, I guess that was earlier in the year, but I then went in very shortly after all that with a sepsis blood infection which came out of nowhere. They don't know where it came from. And I've always been generally helpful. Didn't realize how close that was. A week after that, I went in for acute diverticulitis. I just will tell you, since dealing with us, I've been in, been to the emergency room or in the hospital 14 times. Hmm. I've even has gone as far on the advice of professionals because I was having such issues in February and could not get to a neurologist my neurologist was clearly not interested, still not, one of them anyway. So um, I actually Baker acted myself for a night to try to get neurological help. Chris, if I can interrupt you for just a second, I want to go back. Your career was as, as an IT professional. How did these symptoms impact your ability to be the IT professional? Now, I have a background in computer programming and a little bit different than what you were doing from my understanding, but did that impact prior your ability to do your work? Oh, most definitely. The reason why I'm no longer at Citrus is because of the things that were happening. Is that what 
caused you to start looking and saying, hey, I'm having, I can't do this, so let me look at what these symptoms may be? And what were those type of symptoms that you recognized? When you're the CIO, and this was a small agency, so there was just me and there was half of another guy, but I'm the guy that had the administrator password. I'm the guy that had my password. Mm -hmm. And I went into work one day about a year and a quarter before I was no longer there. And I couldn't remember the administrator password, nor mine. That some people say, oh, you forget your No, you got to know me, my personality, and what I, I used to manage 300 users at different organizations, and I knew almost all their passwords when I said them because of the way I helped them. This was a huge red flag for you. It was, and I had ways to take care of things so I could still get in and fix things, but yeah. It was like, okay. And that's one of the times I went to the doctor and talked to him about it. And they, all they said was stress and anxiety. I do play, think that played some part to it. But I also was responsible for writing reports. Many of them were ones that went to the Tallahassee. And um, turns out some of the reports afterwards, I was actually asked by my boss to give it to uh, one of the people there to uh, proofread. And uh, in COVID, when I had to pull out the disaster recovery guide that I had written and I was going through it and I just went, why, what is this? It was, it was, and it was stuff I had written like a year before. So I had a problem, which is one of my areas, getting the stuff from my head down on paper in a way that's, that makes sense. So, yeah, there were things, and I was like, okay, trying to figure it out. And uh, that what led me on doing a lot of YouTube watching because I got to the point where I couldn't really read for very long at all. So um, these were all red flags. They're still red flags, and I try to tell the doctors mm -hmm. not with much listening. Now, this is take it a bit of a turn in our discussion, but you've mentioned a couple of times that it's just you, that you don't have anybody to go into these um, doctor's appointments with you. We often recommend that people talk to their local area agency on aging because they have support systems that people aren't aware of. These are free government programs that are there to assist people. I wonder if you have reached out to them and if they've maybe could have somebody, a social worker or someone attend these doctor's appointments with you? All right. So this is what I have learned, my experiences. I have to be very careful not to say it the way it is, but it's my experience. Yes, I've reached out to our group, but, and I have already been uh, scaled or rated. They've given me the uh, phone call questionnaire and tomorrow, I've called last week. Tomorrow, I'm having an appointment to re be reevaluated, so I get a different rating, or maybe get a different rating. Reevaluated by whom? This is for our in the state of Florida. We have the Department of Elder Affairs. Each area has different groups or names. 
the one for our area is called Senior Connect. Well, this is what I found in the state of Florida. You connect with them and you give them all kinds of information of which some has to do with your income. I have a certain amount of income. They even, not income, I'm spending. I have a certain amount of assets and, and things that are going to make it. I have no income right now. So a lot of the services like that for people like me, and I'm under 60. Hmm. Under 60 because of the way we don't have the early onset law by Congress. Mm -hmm. It's stuck, Senator Collins. So if anybody can go look at it, I can't, it's 901 something maybe, but there's a law that's up there. It's been presented by Senator Collins to take care of the 500,000 to a million of us like us. So I just went in the state of Florida, you get, you get rated by this thing. You either are a one through five. A one means you're going to get benefits like right now, real quick, you need it. If you're a three, there's certain benefits and I'm still waiting for people to call. And that's one of the things I got to find out, but I don't know yet all the benefits. If you're a five, you're, I guess, way down on the list. So I'm a three. Um, and it all has to do when the money runs out and the type of programs and blah, 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 blah. Okay. So that's the way it works here. So I've reached out. So here's where I'm at. I'm hopefully going to be having a patient care manager. I'm hiring because that's what I'm, that's probably what a lot of people need to look at. A patient care manager. And it's also called many times a patient advocate. Mm -hmm. They're basically about the same. Some will tell you they're different. No, they're same. And you want it so that the people you're dealing with are licensed, either nurse practitioners or clinical social workers that are the, you want that type of credentials. You know, you mentioned the uh, patient care manager and nurse practitioners. Now, when I was looking at your YouTube channel, mm -hmm. you had mentioned that you had been approved or selected through your insurance company to be part of a special group? I thought that that was special and, and there was some things at the time. So everything down the road, I found out that that group, that company was not going to provide some of the answers I thought. And I just okay. was amazed. I thought, oh, it's going to be great. Okay. That's not what it was. It was misrepresented to me. It was another insurance company's we're going to provide you something that looks good so we can put it on paper, uh -huh. bill for it, but nothing came of it. Okay. Kind of like sticking your hand in a bowl of jello, huh? A lot of movement, but, yes. no, but nothing real when you take your hand out. Yep. <laughs> One of the things, Bobby, you had mentioned something about going to meetings. It wasn't until at Mayo Clinic when uh, my doctor there called, called some people. I had arranged for him to build. And that's when all of a sudden he turned around and he says, you just want to be able to know what's going on. Of course. Imagine that. <laughs> Seems logical to me. Yeah. But yeah, that's what it finally took. And yes, I'm having a problem because I can now probably later this afternoon, I'll be wiped out for the afternoon. Right. One of the problems is that unless you have somebody 
that can speak calmly and logically, or somehow or another to have videos, which is better by a third person. But I've had experiences on almost every doctor. I've downloaded the frontal temporal symptoms checklist from AFTD, Association of Frontal Temporal. I've also downloaded Louis Body. Check, 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 check. It's amazing how many doctors don't understand the difference with Lewy body and Alzheimer's disease and FTD. Oh, yeah, but they won't even look at the, the check mark sheet. So the, the associations are trying hard here, take this. But then I go to doctors, hey, doc, I got it for you. Look. And they do their little clinicals where they make you walk. Well, maybe you're walking good at that moment. Mm-hmm. Where they don't know how you used to walk, right? But you're okay, right? I want to go. I mentioned about your YouTube channel. Yes, it's my understanding you set up the YouTube channel to do two things: one, taking your research and helping educate others, and number two, to document your journey through the disease. Am I correct in that? That that's correct. And right now, it's not all there yet because I'm sort of trying to to sort of figure out the best way because I can't do it all. I can't do it myself, so I've got to figure out some way. Well, we are going to put a link to your YouTube channel. That's wonderful. Thank you. On the show website in conjunction with this episode when it airs. Thank you. And we're also going to put your Twitter on our website so people can follow you that way. Thank you. As we get closer towards wrapping this up, as I said in the beginning, you mentioned that people need to hear from you. This is an opportunity to go out to several different countries. What do you want to say to these doctors? What do you think you can say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, considering the, the reality statistically are that and, and I hate to say this, but the statistics are there, that on the narcissistic scale, neurologists basically are at the top within doctor population. That being said, I also have a wonderful doctor at Mayo. But our doctors and nurses, and I've had to learn as my mom was a nurse, she had a master's in nursing, she's a nurse practitioner. I, I forget sometimes that they're people. I've forgotten that they're people sometimes. So when you tell them, stuff it affects them just like it may affect other people but they have to hide it but number one they've had with covid and what's going on but the doctors when a patient seems educated is they need to listen to the patients but patients are going to just have to advocate for themselves because the doctors seem they're going to do what they're going to do many times. And I, I don't know how to get that changed. Um, I've been thinking about it. It's going to take more than you, but advocating sure. for yourself. I'm hearing about that more and more and seeing it more and more. You know, when we have our own doctor's appointments, it's, it's a checklist. <laughs> and if it's something different or... It seems there's almost an automatic answer to whatever symptom you might mention. And a lot of times that just doesn't fit. I found that most doctors, your standard run-of-the-mill doctor, 
after you give them three symptoms from different systems in the body, parts of the body, they're pretty major. That's about all they can handle to some extent. And if you hit a good doctor will do five, like the great doctors do seven. But even after that, the great doctors so far, they lose it. And um, so when you go down the checklist, if you're putting the checklist all over the place, that's where artificial intelligence could solve the problem, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very interesting comment. If I could sit and talk to an AI engine for a half hour, maybe answer a bunch of questions, that AI engine could real quickly tell that doctor, hey, you might want to be looking for this, 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 and this. I saw on Netflix, I think it was, um, a program where this person got frustrated, as many of us do, with the medical community and their rote answers and the inability to sometimes diagnose symptoms and put it out on the World Wide Web and put it out there for people all across the world to think about this and brainstorm about this. And very often they were able to come up with the answer. To me, that sounds like something your AI might do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think AI in um, dementia, I mean, I've already seen there's a bunch of, but that's got to be one of the things for helping the diagnosis because doctors, it's too much. Mm-hmm. You just can't handle it. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for thank you. coming on to our show, talking to our listeners. It's difficult for somebody to come on that has a diagnosis of one of these devastating brain diseases and, number one, talk about it, but, number two, talk about it in a way that really makes sense. And I think you talking to us and our listeners to get some good information out of it, and I think the real thing that sticks with me is stick with it. Don't give up. Stick with it. And if you can't get here, right, maybe the water needs to go here. And if it can't get there, then go to somewhere else and just keep trying till you get the answers or find that person, like you said, with the Mayo Clinic that is going to be able to work with you to maybe get that diagnosis correctly. Chris, I'm so glad that I found you, so glad that I reached out to you, and that so glad that you're willing to be generous with us and our listeners about your experiences. I can't thank you enough. Sure, anything I can do to help. Thank you. On our show website, DementiaSpotlight.show, you'll find more information about us and links to Chris's How to Dementia YouTube channel and his Twitter This has been Dementia Spotlight, tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. You can find more information about us on our show website at DementiaSpotlight.show. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. Bobby and I would love to hear from you, answer any questions you might have, or just find out how you're doing. Follow us on Twitter at BobbyCarducci2 and at MichaelCarducci4. To schedule us for your event, go to bobbycarducci.com website or email info at bobbycarducci.com. Dementia Spotlight is produced by Carducci Caregiving Consulting, LLC. 